Well, good morning. I wish I could hear you all say right now, good morning back. I'm sure you are. Uh, praise the Lord that we can gather together in this way still. Um, this is Palm Sunday. This is the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem and, and uh, was met with Hosanna and worship. See, at that time leading up to Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, uh, there was a lot going on. There was political unrest. There was controversy. There was, uh, well, you can imagine if there was news, it would have been all on the topic of, is Jesus the Messiah? Why? Well, not long before that, uh, we had Jesus came in and, and a part of God's plan and in perfect timing of when this needed to happen, um, someone that he loved from a family that he loved uh, was very sick and Jesus purposefully stayed away because there was a purpose in it. Lazarus died. And then Jesus came and everyone knew Lazarus had died and then Jesus came and as he stood before Lazarus' tomb, and he said to remove the stone, boy, I'm sure he was reflecting on that, at that moment on something that would happen very soon for him. But uh, he, he said, Lazarus, come forth out of the grave, and Lazarus was raised from the dead. That was the miracle that suddenly made everybody wake up and realize this was not just a prophet, any kind of prophet. This must be the Messiah. People were excited about that. But the religious leaders, they saw that and they said, oh no, if, if everyone then follows this teacher, this man, Jesus, what's that gonna do to us? Our position with the Romans is, is at stake here. We, we could lose our authority. We could lose our nation. Not realizing as the chief priests who, who God filled with his spirit, not, <laughs> he didn't know this except that God's spirit spoke through him that it was best for their nation that one man should die. They didn't understand why of anything that was going on around them. Boy, this morning, um, as we look at what Jesus did, that the donkey kind of stands out. Uh, and and we've, our focus has gone to that. Uh, the humble donkey, the, the purpose in that, that we see that scripture gives us is to establish the example of our Lord who, who didn't count being God as something to grasp, but humbled himself, lowered himself, even to the point of the cross. And that's, that's exemplified there as him riding a humble donkey into Jerusalem, even as he's being met with worship and praise. Um, boy, there's something also for us potentially to, to see in that, that there is a purpose that we have to carry Christ forward. Maybe we can draw an analogy to the donkey. It's not exact, but we do have a purpose and as we're continuing our study in, in Colossians, as, as Paul is, is teaching those in Colossae, I don't think it's by chance that what we're going to focus on this morning as, as we're going through this is what it means to put on Christ. That's what Paul's going to teach about here. Now, I don't think putting on Christ is the same as putting him on our back like the donkey did. But we are certainly putting on Christ for a purpose just as Christ was on the back of that donkey for a purpose. I trust we'll learn 
from God's word on that this morning. Let's continue, starting in chapter three. <clears throat> let's actually hit the last two verses that we ended with last week, starting in verse three, because they set the context for what follows. In verse three of chapter three, it says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then in verse five, into what we're getting in today, it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So what we're about to talk about is based on this truth that we've been going through for the last few weeks that can be difficult for us to wrap our heads around sometimes uh, and, and to really understand this fact that who we were before Christ, who we were in the flesh, is put to death, is put aside. That's no longer our identity. That's no longer who we are. But who we are is a new creation with Christ, seated with Christ. It's a spiritual truth that, that we're being encouraged by Paul here in many ways to live in. And so now he says, because of that truth, because of the fact that you have died, your old self has died, and your new life, who you are, is hidden with Christ in God. And you have that hope that when Christ appears, you also will experience the fullness of who you are in Christ. You also will appear with him in glory. Then, here's how you should live. Here's what you should do. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion. And that's not just a general sense of passion. That's, that, that's a passion of being uh, just uh, consumed with. It's, it's a sense of passion, of an affliction of the mind, especially lustful um, affliction. Passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You see the picture here? You've been saved out of that. The, the target of wrath is no longer you. And, and since you are a new creation and you are new in Christ and, and who you are is not there as a target of wrath, put those things to death. Those things in you that, that are the, the target of wrath from God that is no longer defines who you are. It says, put those things to death. In these you too once walked before you knew Christ. That was your life when you were living in them. Verse eight, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. See, back, back in chapter two, we had we had reached a statement where they had all of these things that they were trying to, to control the old self, control the flesh, and, and, and rules like don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, and, and this is what you need to do in order to be righteous. When we look at these things and God is saying, here, I want you to put these things to death, our natural tendency humanly in human wisdom is to say, okay, I'm gonna set up a structure then of rules that I must live by in order to conform what I'm doing. But notice there's a difference here. Back in, back in chapter two at the end, 
He, he said, these have indeed an appearance, speaking of the wisdom of man, all these rules, these have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So what's Jesus describing here? He's directly describing the indulgence of the flesh, and it has nothing so much to do with, with the outward appearance as it does with the heart. He's targeting the heart. These are, when Jesus is saying, here's what you need to deal with, it's not outward appearance, except for what is revealing what's in the heart. And when he gets to outward appearance, he's talking about what comes out of our mouth, which is the fruit of the heart. So Jesus said, when, when he was speaking of that, he said, the fruit of the heart, out of the, out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so that's why he's saying now, but you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. These are issues of the heart that come out in our mouth and obscene talk. And then he says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. When we're living in the flesh, the old way in the flesh, we lived with a constant lie and we still deal with that even now in Christ as, as we want to hide. We want to hide what's inside. We want to hide the heart. Hide that from each other and even more so now than ever before when the only thing you see on the outside of me is on Facebook. How much easier is it to hide what's in the heart? But he says, stop doing that because what you're hiding and what you're protecting is no longer who you are. Count that dead. Be willing to have transparency. Be willing to put those things into the light so that they can be put to death. And why can I do that in great confidence? Because that's not who I am anymore. I am new in Christ through faith. So seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and now have put on the new self. What is the new self? Which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. I'm putting on Christ. That's who I am. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, that's not our identity anymore. Who we see ourselves as, what we grew up as, the, the, the nationality that we have, the color of our skin, the language that we speak, that doesn't define who we are. In Christ, we simply identify ourselves with Christ. And it says, here there is not any of those, but Christ is all and in all. So we're told to put off the old self. Put on the new, which is Christ. What does it really mean to put on Christ? What does it mean? Is it like the donkey? I don't, it's not exactly like that. But I want to understand what that is practically in my life because it's so difficult when we're talking about these concepts that are so spiritually discerned, spiritually understood, that, that even though 
my waking up on Monday morning experience is very much going to be experiencing this human body, this flesh. Experiencing still the desires that come from that. How do I put off that? How do I put on Christ? Practically, what does that actually look like? And so we're going to look at three things this morning that Paul gives us in this passage. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us guidance through your word. I pray, Lord, that this morning that you would show us what it means to put on Christ. Show us the reason for putting on Christ. Show us what we have personally by putting on Christ. God, I pray that you would lead us this morning into your truth. It's in your holy name we pray, amen. So what does putting on Christ involve? First off, what we see here is it involves a choice. Over and over again, there's a choice being presented to us. Put to death, therefore. That's something to choose, to do every morning, every day. Put to death, therefore, what is uh, uh, earthly in you. And it says in verse eight, but now you must put them all away. That's me acting. That's me making a choice to put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from my mouth. That's gonna be something that that I'm gonna have to deal with over and over again as I'm bringing my heart into obedience to Christ, my mind, my thoughts. Do not lie to one another. That's a choice to be made. Am I going to put on a false front or am I going to become a person who has the integrity that from the outside to the inside is consistent? If I'm struggling on the inside, I want to make that known to my brothers and sisters so that they can pray for me and so that I am able then to put away the flesh which is not who I am. That's a choice I need to make. Putting off the old self, putting on the new, these are directions that are a choice. And you're gonna have to make that every day. We have to make that every morning, every day, every hour, every incident, every event. There's a choice that we need to make. So part of putting on Christ is gonna involve a choice. Boy, salvation, what Jesus accomplished going to the cross allows us that choice. We didn't have that choice. Ephesians describes our our condition before Christ as dead in our sin. How much can a dead person choose? We're described as blind before our eyes are open to Christ. How much can a blind person see? See, we, we don't have that choice before Christ, but Christ now, with what he's accomplished, his Holy Spirit in us, now giving us eyes to see and changing our life so that truly who we are isn't the body of flesh. Now we have the power through the Holy Spirit and eyes to see to be able to to put away the thing that is growing uh, just as as a disgusting attachment to our life. To say, no, I don't actually like this anymore. I don't want this anymore. That desire in our heart is something God has put in us and the willingness to choose him and to go in the direction that he wants us to go. That's something that salvation in Christ has given us. We have a choice now. We were dead before, but we've been made alive. Second thing 
that putting on Christ involves that we see here is growing in knowledge. Growing in knowledge. We see that uh, in verse in verse 10. He says, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. A major part of growing in Christ, of putting on who we are in Christ, is growing in knowledge of Christ. How do I do that? Certainly opening God's word is an important part of putting on Christ. To grow in in my knowledge of him, not just what I've read about him in another book, what I've seen about him in a movie, but to actually get to know him by the word that he wrote through the Holy Spirit. That's how I get to know Christ. But is that enough just to read about him? I remember, I don't know, five years, six years ago, we started Taekwondo as a family. Um, it's interesting to think back to how difficult that was as a white belt, trying to learn a form that really was nine moves long. Half of it was nine moves, and then you replated the, the, other, the other half, it was a mirror image, and so you just had to learn nine moves. Boy, my body did not want to do the things that I was asking it to do. My muscles did not want to do the things that I was asking it to do. My, my balance was not there. I was constantly fighting against everything that was natural to me. And then, and then to put my leg up like that, that's not natural. Humans shouldn't have to do that. But to put my leg up like that and, and finding uh, resistance because I don't stretch that way. And that was a really hard resistance and it still is a hard resistance today as we continue to train and we have to press against that and press against that and, and try to become more flexible to a goal of, of something that we see is what we want to become having learned these techniques in Taekwondo. And then to look though back at, at how difficult it was to learn that white belt form. And then to look back now when we became all right, we got our first degree black belts. I remember that, that experience that I had, uh, it was either three or four weeks, I forget how long. It was a matter of weeks that I had before we were going out to Houston to a tournament. And I was determined I was going to learn the black belt form. And I did, and I competed. And I think I got second place. The black belt form has 84 moves in it. it where I had come from where I was as a white belt to where I was as a black belt, I still had difficulty. I still was wrestling with what came natural and what didn't come natural, but there were so many things that as a white belt I had to just think about and, and so focused on to make them happen that now just uh, they were second nature to me as a black belt and I was thinking and focusing on new things. That's what it is to get to know Taekwondo. I could read a whole library of books on Taekwondo and not have knowledge, true knowing knowledge of Taekwondo. I have to wrestle with Taekwondo. I have to fail at Taekwondo. I have to, uh, I have to fall down and get up again with Taekwondo. I have to continue to press against those, those <laughs> muscles and parts of my body that don't want to stretch and are just fighting against what I'm trying to get them to do. When I try to get to know Christ, it's not just opening a book and reading about him. 
It's actually getting in there and doing life as Christ is directing me to do life and I'm gonna be pressing against parts of my life that are gonna feel completely unnatural. They won't feel like, like it's something I was designed to do even. When I go and I try to, to, to have forgiveness as Jesus is wanting me to have forgiveness, I'm gonna be wrestling against my own pride that's saying, no, you need to stand up for yourself. You need to protect yourself. You've been hurt in the past, and so now you don't wanna let yourself kinda get out on a limb. You need to protect all your bases before you'll offer any little bit of forgiveness, and Jesus is saying, no, I want you to stretch that part of who you are. I want you to press into that and learn how to trust me as in Taekwondo, I, w- I was setting my joints in a way that didn't feel right, but, but I was told if you set them that way, now you're gonna have a foundation that you can do new things on. And even in my life with Christ, he's saying, here's what I want you to do in your life, and it's gonna require faith. You're gonna have to trust me. Every protection that you've held on to, you're gonna have to let go of that and trust me, and that's gonna provide you a foundation that you're gonna be able to do whole new things that you didn't know before. Putting on Christ requires getting to know Christ. I have to be in God's word. If I try to learn Taekwondo without an instructor, it would produce something nothing close to what what we've accomplished by today. If we try to put on Christ uh, without actually, if we try to learn Taekwondo without actually Spending time in it every single day doing something. How, how can I become flexible if once a month I try stretching a little? That won't work. And, and I've had some months where that's what I'm doing is once a month. And it's not working. If those seemingly immovable parts of my life need to change, then I need to be working on it daily. Getting to know Christ. That's part of putting on Christ. Third thing, putting on Christ involves glorifying Christ. Why? Why is all of this, why do I submit myself to any of the the exercises that God's wanting me to do. Ultimately, in verse, in verse uh, 11, it says, here, there is not Greek and Jew. This isn't about showing how great the Greeks are or the Jews are who were opposed to each other religiously. Here there is not circumcised and uncircumcised. Those who are of the covenant of Abraham are those who are not. That that distinction now is gone. There isn't barbarian. There isn't Scythian. There isn't slave. There isn't any of the distinctions that we make. Whether it's cultural distinction, political distinction, what you like, what you don't like, those aren't here, where is here? Here is, is the place that each of us new in Christ exists truly, spiritually, with Christ. You are a new creature in God. That's the here. 
In Christ, there isn't any of those distinctions. But Christ is all and in all. Everything that we are is to show Christ. The new image that I'm being made into just as in Taekwondo, I'm looking at those who have gone before me who, who were good at Taekwondo and I, I would watch them do the form. I said, that's where I'm trying to get to. We have one singular goal and where we're trying to get to as we're exercising our life, putting on Christ, it's to become like Christ. It's to glorify Christ. At the end of the day, it's all about Christ. And as I'm putting on Christ, uh, what's described is the attitudes of the heart. It's not put on Christ and become someone who doesn't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with those who do. That's not what it says putting on Christ looks like. No, it's issues of the heart. What we're going to get into next week in Easter is what that looks like as the peace of Christ is just poured into our hearts, is poured into our lives in the midst of everything going around us, Christ in us produces. And in verse 12, I don't even know if I have that on the slides. But you see it in your scriptures there. Produces what? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, love. That's Christ directly into the heart and out of that when the mouth speaks boy that changes what my life looks like out of that when i when i do things when i react when i respond to the situations around me it's responding in the peace that i have in christ glorifying christ is also most satisfying to me i love john piper um, he's a retired preacher now he's continuing to speak the thesis of his ministry. The thesis that he came back to, and it's hard to find a sermon that he preaches without something having to do with it because God put it on his heart that that was a message that the world needed to hear through John Piper. That God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. See, glorifying Christ is also finding the greatest fulfillment in my life. I, I, the more I do it, the more I realize, no, that's the most satisfying. That is, is the only thing that I need. And, and part of getting there is the faith of growing, where, where God is saying, you don't need these other things that the world has to offer. He said, no, but I do. If I don't have a solid financial foundation to my life, then I don't have a foundation to live on at all. He's saying, you need me. If I, if I don't have relationships that are just the way that I need them and, and, and distance from those that are difficult and closeness to those that are easy and, and careful barriers on where all that's at, and then I don't have a foundation to live my life on. I can't really enjoy life because I, I can't have these people in my life and still enjoy life. And he says, no, what you're gonna find enjoyment in is not actually any of that. You're gonna find enjoyment in me. And so for us to even approach that, we have to trust him. 
put our faith in his direction in our life and put on Christ. We say, God, I was born this way. This is just who I am. Any of you ever think that way? This is just who I am. That's what the world is promoting right now is that we just say, I was born this way. This is who I am. There's no changing it. Deal with it. No. What God says is, through faith in Christ, who you were born as has been put to death, and I've created a new person. And the character and the tendencies Everything about that person is defined in Christ. So now I want you to put to death the old person and find your joy, find your identity in Christ. That's going to involve a choice every day. It's going to involve growing in the knowledge of Christ. And that's going to involve constantly seeking to glorify Christ in your life. Let's worship together. You guys come on up. Work together 
your glory and for your name you make all things work together for my future and for my good you make all things work together for your glory Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully made. You're the artist and the potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. And I know nothing has been wasted. No failure or mistake. You're the artist and the potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. And when I doubt it, Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully made. You're the artist and the potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. And I know nothing has been wasted. No failure or mistake. You're the artist and the potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. You can make all things work together for my future and for my good you make all things work together for your glory and for your name when I doubt it Lord remind me I'm wonderfully made you're the artist and the potter I'm the canvas and the clay And I know nothing has been wasted No failure or mistake You're the artist and the potter I'm the canvas and the clay We can make all things work together For my future Lord and for my good you make all things work together for your glory and for your name. God, thank you that you are making all things work together for our good. God, that means I can trust you. Even as I'm, I'm trying to learn what it is to be like Christ, and that's going against everything natural within me, God, I can trust that you're working all these things to my good, to the good of those around me that love you. God, the good in my life might not even be something that feels good, but it's good, and it's good to those around me. I just thank you, Lord, that we can trust you, that you're doing a wonderful work in our life, God. Señor, te damos gracias, Señor, por la, por la oportunidad que tenemos hoy de juntarnos aquí en tu nombre. Señor, te damos gracias por tu enseñanza, por la historia que leímos hoy en la que un animal te obedece a pesar de que nunca había sido uh, enseñado. Uh, ayúdanos a que podamos en la misma forma obedecerte cuando nos llamas. Te damos gracias, Señor, por, uh, por 
tanto que nos das y tan poco que pides a cambio te pedimos que nos ayudes a abrir nuestros ojos y a caminar en tu, en tu camino uh, que tú has abierto para nosotros la oportunidad que nos das de venir a nuestro Padre uh, por, por un camino en el que no hay, no hay espinas un camino en el que todo tú lo has limpiado y está, y está listo para nosotros para caminar Señor te doy gracias por, uh, por lo que hiciste en la cruz porque nuestros pecados han sido removidos porque lo que pensamos y lo que hacemos a diario no depende de nuestra salvación no, bueno, la salvación nuestra no depende de eso porque tú tomaste todo el pecado y porque nuestras vidas son limpias ahora y porque somos dignos de, 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 de recibir a nuestro Padre por, por tu salvación, por lo que tú hiciste te damos gracias Señor por, por la enseñanza de hoy y te pido que que estén en nuestros hogares y que toda la gente que escucha en el día de hoy uh, tu palabra, que sean salvos, que todos los que están sintiendo la presión de, del mundo en este momento, que, que en ti encuentren paz y que entiendan que todo esto llega a un final, pero ese final no tiene que ser como, como nosotros lo vemos aquí, sino que puede ser un glorioso gracias a ti gracias a Jesucristo y no pides mucho Tomás nos pides que de palabra y de corazón uh, lleguemos a ti pidiéndote por tu salvación que solo tú ofreces en nombre de nuestro Señor Jesucristo te pedimos Amén Amén